Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. Welcome to A Conversation with History. I'm Harry Chrysler of the Institute of International Studies. Our distinguished guest today is Orhan Pamuk, who is the 206 Nobel Laureate in Literature. He is the author of many novels, including The White Castle, The Black Book, The New Life, My Name is Red, Snow, and his new book is The Museum of Innocence. He is the author of several works of nonfiction, Istanbul, Memories of a City, and Other Colors, Essays, and a Story. And here is his new book. Mr. Pambuk, welcome to Berkeley. It's a joy to be in Berkeley. Looking back, how do you think your parents shaped your thinking about the world? Well, um, they, my father was an egalitarian and libertarian uh, person, while my mother was, I would say, more conservative, just like uh, perhaps in Garcia Marquez novels where women were keeping, been paying attention to the continuity of the household, while the father was a bit uh, venturing and going out and doing strange things. I had a family like that. And so my father gave me did not carry on what tradition would teach you in Turkey, that, that you have to be respectful to your elders, that you have to respect religious and military authorities, that you have to obey to authority. He was not a father like that. But my mother was somehow like that. So I had the two sides of the things. And then also from my father, I have learned that, that it's not the great saints or soldiers or pashas or the statesmen that are important, but writers say, say well, what he had seen in Paris and in the streets of Paris, he, had, he wanted to be a poet himself. So these were the things that I, uh, that I learned from the family, from the, from the mother, that you have to be like others. In fact, she named me Orhan because according to her, Orhan was the second Ottoman sultan who was not a very distinguished person, who did not show off, who, didn't, who was a modest uh, one of the most modest Ottoman uh, sultans. Well, my father was in, believed in distinction, art, culture, how they do these things in Europe, and that's how they talk about these things. And, and your mother was worried about your becoming an artist. It, it, it seems that she of felt course, it wasn't all, practical enough. All mothers worry, of course, because they think that you're not going to make money, which she was right at, at the beginning, of course. And then my father was more, quote, understanding, but they were both worried that. And when I decided to, as I wrote in my, in, in my autobiographical Istanbul, and I decided to quit studying architecture, uh, quit uh, painting, and it was, um, I quit painting. I wanted to be a painter between the age of seven and 22, but suddenly quit and began writing novels. They, and when I quit studying, um, architecture, they were worried because they thought that I, I may end up a loser. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, as a writer, uh, 
in Turkey. You are and were presented with a, a, some dilemmas about what would be the nature of your art when you ultimately became a novelist. And, and in, in reading some of your essays, you were very much influenced by the example of Dostoevsky, I gather, and the, the insights that he derived in coming to terms with his own nationality and what the West had to offer. I think this um, um, that in non-Western world um, there is, of course, a, 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 a anxiety about too much being too much influenced by West um, modernization, especially in countries like Japan, Russia, where moder- and Ottoman Empire and Turkey, where modernization comes from the ruling elites, uh, not from economy or from civil society. Um, there is a resistance to signs and symbols of the West to modernization because it's also a class struggle going on. Um, there is a strong attempt of modernization from above in both Japan, Russia, and Turkey, and there is a resistance to it. Um, Dostoevsky's attitude of love and hate of West is a typical thing in Japan, more or less the same thing. The uh, famous writer I admire, uh, Tanizaki, in his youth was a great admirer of anything that came from the United States, especially not from Europe. He, also, he was also influenced by Baudelaire. Then, in his Middle Ages and after late in life, he was also turned turn, um, back to tradition. Um, we may say the same thing about Dostoevsky, but these sentiments should not be understood as one day he's voting for the party A, the other day, next day he's voting for the party B. Both sentiments are at the same heart, at the, uh, or at, uh, simultaneously, and struggling and making these great writers, forming these great writers' identities. Uh, in your book, which I will show, Istanbul, uh, Memories and the City, uh, an extraordinary book, which is a sen- the story of your early years, the story of your city, uh, and intertwined with beautiful photographs. Uh, you talk about four Turkish writers who were very important to you, and, and tell us what you got from them, because one, one senses that for you, they were as important because they showed you what could be very important in your culture, even though you were sur- surrounded by the ruins of that culture. At the heart of my Istanbul book, the idea is the uh, concept of melancholy or Turkish melancholy, which I uh, huzun, and I make a distinction between traditional Western melancholy, which makes you more individual, while I describe the Turkish huzun, uh, Turkish melancholy, as something communal, suggesting uh, that this is related to the decline of the Ottoman Empire, the overabundance of the ruins of the architectural of the uh, Ottoman modernity and the fact that we were all living in 1950s, 40s, 60s at the edge of Europe but ten, uh, ten times less rich and with an idea that Turkey will not uh, reach the modernity and economical um, affluence that Europe and Western civilization, civilization have. This lends us a sort, a sort of a, a feeling that we, we can associate what the uh, Japanese has as a certain ethics of fail, um, 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 nobility of failure. Um, and, um, 
I also, this whole feeling that, that usually I, I ascribe Ottoman runes, ethically I also is a sort of a derivative of uh, Turkish Sufism, but all related economically uh, to the poverty of and poverty and sense of loss of the country, uh, um, this melancholy, I associate it with four writers. These writers were not social realists, nor, cons uh, nor conservatives in the reactionary right-wing sense, but they had one food in the past, the Ottoman past, they enjoyed it, and one food realize that the glorious, say, the best fruits of European literature is not even inevitable and attractive. And they, were in, they went inward and refined their own voices to a, to a certain um, um, melancholy. Uh, um, I have learned from them that uh, the, um, the contradiction between uh, uh, Islam or tradition and Europe or modernity is not a contradiction. You can have these things in your heart or in your mind and in fact to, um, the, the, the difference between them, the electricity between these two sources may inspire you, may invoke, make, make, may make you different. Uh, so, is it, is it fair to say, and I think this is what I got out of Istanbul, that this melancholy, this setting of ruins to which you could always retreat in a walk, but in the end, you would go back to the study as you became a writer and with words convey what you had sensed in the city, but also shape a world that was your own. So, so it seems that the setting, uh, what a writer does, but on the other hand, having gone through your father's library at some time or another, as you write about. My father had a great library. I mean, uh, that he, she was reading French and English and was buying books from Istanbul's international bookshops. Uh, um, and also, he he was in fifties and sixties many many times went to Paris and had all the Gallimard books, so forth and so on. Also, he, um, so, um, um, that library prepared uh, also the way he treated books, um, the, uh, the authenticity of the writers that the writers uh, writers are um, the, um, a writer's life is much more interesting than a businessman or. Or a, or a religious person, or, or whatever a professor's life. This I have learned from my father, and then I have a natural inclination to be solitary and be creative. First, I wanted to be a painter, then switch to writing. Mm -hmm. uh, in your Nobel essay, you use. Uh, uh, the story of your father's suitcase, his writings, which he gave you in a suitcase toward the end of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's a sentence I want to read. I already mentioned the two essential feelings that rose up in me as I closed my father's suitcase and put it away. You're going through his writings. The sense of being marooned in the provinces and the fear that I locked 
authenticity. Mm-hmm. So, so these were two central problems which you addressed in the way that we yes, just Yes, this talk- was also, of course, related to the fact that Turkey was, we felt that in 50s and 60s, was essentially a provincial uh, place, although we were geographically on Europe, in Istanbul. Uh, why? Because, um, like majority of humanity, actually, we felt out of history. History was being made in London, Paris, and New York. And in fact, this is a common sentiment I share with 90% of humanity, I think, that humanity does not have a sense of we are making history, we are provincials, we are imitating the center. These feelings are heavily common in non-Western world, then you have to calm down these resentments, angers you feel with uh, uh, respect to tradition, your different, underline your difference, but then one part of your spirit knows that this is not uh, actually what you want. uh, The attractions of modernity, westernization, are always, had always double edge, double side, and these are issues I address on almost all of my novels, that I think, that I love these subjects, perhaps because also Turkey is culturally made up of these problems, the drama now between traditional societies and modernity um, is uh, more or less is being played in Turkish spirit for quite a long time. Uh, in an essay, in, in your book of essays, you're writing on the Charter House of Parma by Stendhal, mm-hmm. and you say, the source of my happiness lay not in the events themselves that are described in the book, but in the spiritual and emotional responses they provoked. So you're talking about yourself, too, aren't you? That That's what you're trying to do in your writing. Um, um Reading novels teaches those of us, say, in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, that, in fact, uh, um, that life is not not something um, um, given and decided by fate, but um, you make choices in life one is free, that it's not the community, but your own heart you have to listen. Uh, art of the novel, um, or novels, say Stendhal no, uh, wrote them, is based on individuals' choices in, uh, and, and dramatization of these choices. When you re- read a novel, um, um, and if you come from a traditional society, one part of you, uh, you, be- you begin to learn the joys of living outside of the Community. That's what I learned from novels, and that's what that, that's the sentiment I refer there. Let's talk now about your new novel, uh, uh, the Museum of Innocence, and let me show it to our audience again. Talk about uh, the concept that is behind this novel, the the idea of a museum of innocence. But why, why? Yeah, please mm-hmm. go ahead. Museum of Innocence is a love novel in the yes, most popular, uh, popular sense that, uh, that, that a character tells his uh, love story that spans some 30 years that takes place in Istanbul. Um, an upper-class, uh, high-society man, Kemal, falls in love with his twice-removed cousin, so forth and so on, and the story goes, we're not going to uh, tell it. But one part of the story is that, for this or that reason, uh, our character collects the things are, um, that they, they, we have lovers, he and his beloved share. 
and um, also the idea of the museum slowly uh, un- develop and unfold and develop. Um, there, there are so many novels and museums have so many things in common. That first, uh, museum novels uh, have also uh, um, archival qualities, preserving um, um, strength that museums have. Our gestures, the way we talk, our language, what we see, what we relate, all these are transi- uh, things that change from language to what we see. The chemistry of the cities, our daily lives, the way we behave, how, how we come ac- with advertisements, objects, brands, things, uh, history. They are all preserved in the novels. Novels are based on daily life observations, almost cathedrals made from small daily life observation units and they preserve them uh, as along with the language the way we um, our manner of speaking this or that and I find lots of parallels between novels and museums this is one subject and the other subject is that my character in the novel uh, pays a lot of attention to his beloved and um, puts together things that remind him of her. And in the end, he um, begins to make a museum. That's um, also referring to the title of the book, Museum of Innocence. And in and, and this, uh, in the love affair, you are, through this, this extraordinary detail of the, the evolution of the affair, uh, really telling us something about the human condition, about the pain that lovers suffer. And so these, these mementos from the relationship are, uh, you say, I believe, somewhere in the book, are uh, like real museums, which often cre- take objects, collect them uh, to help us remember the pain, but also forget the pain. Yes. Um, Museum of Innocence is a love novel or a novel of love, whatever we call it, but it does not put love on a pedestal. It does not, like most love stories, say, oh, what a sweet thing love is. I'm not saying that. My aim is not to do that. My aim is, like, say, Montaigne or like a um, um, detached observer, pay attention to what happens to us when we fall in love, especially this is uh, the novel is written from a male's point of view. What happens to a man if he falls in love? What is love pain? What is waiting? What is suffering? What is hoping? What is waiting for the telephone to ring? So forth and so on. All aspects of love I, without trying to sweeten it, without sugarizing it, try to explore, analyze, of course with humor, uh, see through, and with that energy represent, uh, um, form, uh, uh, represent a culture, a milieu, and, uh, and and in fact make a whole panorama of Istanbul culture between 1975 and uh, at end of 20th century. My character in the book also is just like an anthropologist uh, collecting objects from alien cultures is collecting things of his beloved and then telling his story to the attentive readers through these objects. I also compare a lover's attention, a lover's um, um, 
attention to his beloved. Uh, this I compare to a writer's attention to detail. We hear, we watch uh, the narrative voice, and, uh, and it has writerly qualities. The lovers, patient lovers, um, um, so refined uh, observation, observations have, uh, in fact, com something common with a writer's attempt to embrace little details and with the true, with the little details, the whole world. At one point in the novel, you say that he, uh, our hero, was becoming like the woman he loved, that there was, he, he, he was coming to understand her through his identification with her. Of course, I, um, in, in loves, in, in love pain, I think there is a, both an anger, resentment, um, fury that the beloved does not understand us, but on the other hand, and in fact, an ultra attention and identification with the beloved that in fact following every little sing single gesture of her because we uh, perhaps like soldiers or maneuvering to get her back or maneuvering to win her heart. As we do this, we more and more pay attention like a novelist. All, her, all the gestures, all the movements, silences, uh, and this um, 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 lends us both a certain wisdom, a maturity, uh, but also an understanding that this person is humane as we are. So we begin to identify with our beloved. Of course, well, this is one part of the lover. The other part of the lover is that there is anger, resentment for not being understood, for not getting, uh, for any, also unrequited love is about identification with the beloved and feeling angry to her. The uh, Museum of Innocence is perhaps about this. Uh there are two institutions uh, or, or two, two, uh, two groups that come under criticism in the way you portray them. One is the, the, the middle class, which uh, at uh, an engagement party, uh, as uh, our hero uh, interacts with his friends in, in the circle, uh, 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 you, you see the middle class of Turkey as during this period as overly imitated. Uh, of overdrawn to the attractions of the West, buying appliances just to have them, which break, which they can't fix. Talk a little about that, because I'm, your criticism is, is, is right, very compelling. Um, I'm observing all these details. You may call them criticism, but I'm not passing deep moral judgment on them. Mm. This is how life is. Mm. This is how life is in non-Western world, but I don't think it's different in Western world, too. This is how human beings behave. As I get older, I don't pass, I don't criticize even, mm -hmm. uh, pass ju moral judgment on human beings. I try to understand the whole system. Yes, as you have said, the upper classes of uh, uh, high, uh, high society of Istanbul in 1950s, 60s, and I would think that all non-Western world's ruling elite is imitative of the uh, um, Western civilization because that legitimizes their power. They derive the signs and symbols of their power uh, from the Western civilization. 
this is such a strong trend that for me pinning it down is more important than passing passing cultural and ethical judgment my point as i my point is that this is how it is i'd rather not make all oh, upper classes or shallow or this or that i'm not interested in that i want to see how it is Mm-hmm. Now, the other institution that, that you, you spend a lot of time on is the movie industry. Yes. And, and again, you, yeah, please let, tell first, us. Uh, first, yeah. uh, in, in, when I married in 1982, I was, my first book was published, but I was not much making money. And I wrote for Turkish movie industry a film script, which was not even shot. Then, some 10 years later, I wrote a script which was shot, and I had a sense of what it was. And, of course, being a Turkish boy and watching in summer garden cinemas all these melodramas also later in television had taught me what uh, um, had taught me the fact that um, medieval Islamic romances and we may include also of course medieval all romances Islamic or Christian has something very common with the melodramatic Bollywood or Turkish Bollywood or Hollywood Yeshilcham um, melodrama Um, um, uh, melodramas in my part of the world are based on uh, traditional um, romances um, uh, and love in this book and in those melodramas are based on uh, 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 based on the fact that uh, sexual taboos, uh, repression, uh, the fact that men and women cannot come together and negotiate their love, talk about their love. Cannot, there are not social places for men and women to meet, to develop and de- negotiate, understand each other, so forth and so on. This is one part of the frame in which my lovers behave. Well, and, and this sort of um, um, I would say love in repressed society um, um, gives lots of energy in, re- in developing refinement in communication. My lovers are communicating through glances, looks, silences, uh, raising mm. eyebrows, um, double, double uh, with language, or sometimes even silences, gestures, and paying lots of attention to each other uh, with, uh, uh, with silence. Also, um, they are testing each other. They're uh, called seriousness, very old-fashioned. Uh, their, uh, their endurance. Uh, they are, in fact, not enjoying life, partly, uh, like, just like Jane Austen novels, but preparing for marriage. In the, uh, this novel represents Istanbul life in 1970s. But I think, strongly think, that life has not changed in non-Western world. Love is a preparation for marriage and testing the authenticity, endurance, and the character of the beloved or the would-be husband or mate, wife or husband and mate. And the novel is, plays around with all these rituals, expressions, this culture, or uh, the culture, uh, somehow refined and melodramatic culture. Uh, melodramatic, especially in movies, and its representation of it in movies, but also um, 
um, try, my novel tries to look at this whole attitude and culture of love, um, not condemning anyone, uh, not passing ethical judgments, neither to characters nor to the situations, but trying to see whole panorama. In that, Museum of Innocence has a fresco-like quality. It, through that energy of that love, it tries to represent the culture of Istanbul between 1975 till end of 20th century. And, and uh, there are really two relationships here because our hero is engaged, and then, but most of the book is about uh, this uh, unrequited uh, love affair that he has. Are, the, are these two relationships really capture these two worlds, right? Sexual, I, well, I, or is that? Is I that, don't want to dramatize that the worlds are different. Um, uh, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I want to dramatize that the fact that at the heart of the, perhaps, and tell it this whispering, at the heart of the story lies the virginity taboo, the taboo of virginity, which we can tell this much, my brave characters break this codes, venturing, but then they suffer the consequences. This is, and through this, I go into all the, I try to go through the, all the details of culture. Uh, tongue in cheek, I tell to, to my readers, this is a Turkish story, but I know that this mm. is more or less, 80% of humanity live love like this. How long did it take you to write this book? It took me a lot, a lot of time, and some of this time was politically troubled, but it was such a joy to write this novel, which is full of humor, uh, um, um, uh, heartfelt attention to detail and full of observation from my upper class, middle class life in Istanbul that it was so sweet to write it that even in the worst political times I, uh, that kept me, kept me going. If I wrote one or two pages from this novel in the morning I felt so happy that anything I could take. And, and I gather you, you essentially, because there are many chapters in the book, you essentially uh, come up with a number of chapters and then work on them, maybe the, a later chapter before you write an earlier chapter? Yes, I, I am. Compared to other writers, I, because I've read autobiographies, biographies, and I'll talk to my writer's friends, that I think I, am a relatively, uh, I relatively plan more compared to other writers. Of course, you can't plan a novel from A to Z. So many details come when you write. But I am a planner. Um, and then when I'm stuck, I skip one chapter, go to a chapter. In fact, sometimes I give myself a prize of, oh, I want to write this chapter. I've been waiting for this chapter to come. Now I skip to that chapter, first write that, because it's a joy to write that chapter. I don't feel much what the American culture calls writer's block, because I think sometimes naively that I plan, and when I'm stuck, I just continue with another chapter. It's as if it's some sugar that I want to eat and make myself happy. Writing of this book was a joy to me. Perhaps most of it is based on what I have seen from inside, from middle class, upper middle class life in Istanbul, that so-called high society and, and, and lower middle classes also included. Film industry, clubs, 
restaurants, ventures, uh, Bosphorus visits, mansions, yalus on Bosphorus, uh, Istanbul's residential apartment, uh, upper-class apartment buildings, the culture, uh, the old culture, the city's chemistry, its pulse, its how it, this is this museum of Sphinescence is full of heartfelt details that I want to register. This is the museum quality of the novels that you you live something a sentiment an observation a smell you want to preserve them and then there is a you know, natural inclination put them in a novel talk about the levels of creativity obviously there's the creativity of the idea of the book but then what about the many creativities where the character you decide for the character to do something, and it just comes to you out of the blue. Well, yeah, that is creativity, but that it should be limited. Uh, um, there are inspirational, say, uh, moments when you write a novel, just like a poem, as if a poem is coming from out of the blue, from God, wherever it comes. Uh, and there, are, there is also lots of and a discipline, reading the text through reader's point of view. A novel is a combination of inspiration and architecture, uh, while sometimes a, po- a good poetry, uh, a little short story, can be like something like an epiphany that you're inspired, it's there, you don't know where it is, while there is always a logical architectural planning, composition, almost like orchestral music in writing and forming novels. That is also what I like. It sounds like architecture and painting, which were uh, my background. Your background prepared you in a way. Yes, I'm also a visual writing. That mm. some novelists are dramatical writers, based on uh, based more on verbal play and the bends and twists of the story. That I like. I also care about bends of twists of the story, but I tell my stories through verbal uh, visual detail, always drawing pictures in readers' imagination. That I think I owe to, uh, that naturally. I'm inclined. I want to be a painter, somehow um, uh, frustrated or failed in it, and suddenly switched to writing. In my novels, I feel that I'm always drawing pictures through words. Uh, Let's talk a little about uh, politics. Politics in this novel or there is politics. There is politics in the sense that this novel is slightly or suggesting the repression of women, mm-hmm. and that the more you know, in, in this frame men love a, a girl, a woman, the more they uh, destroy or rep- uh, suppress them. They want to possess them. They're afraid of the freedom of the beloved here because she may be successful in love uh, in life and venture on uh, her own way, decide about her. There is, in, the, in, the, in this culture, uh, a desire to uh, possess the woman and put, it in a, put, it in a, put her in a house. And, and, and the novel is also about that, uh, owning a woman, controlling a woman, and afraid of the, most men in my part of the world are afraid of successful women. And I don't think this is only a non-Western thing. And this is, I think, a universal thing. Uh, let's talk about another aspect of politics, namely Turkey's relation to the West. That, mm. That's really not in here, except in the end there, there is a trip to mm. Europe. Uh, and uh, is that attitude of 
uh, toward the West, this uh, foppish almost imitation, uh, the sense of powerlessness in the face of, of Western civilization. Is that attitude changing in Turkey it's now? It's changing, but uh, some 20 years ago, I would have, in my youth, I would have underlined that imitation part of it, like Naipul wrote Mimic Men. But today I see the inevitability of it and I uh, take pride in not paying too much attention to imitative part of non-Western countries ruling elites, but, uh, but try to see through the inevitability of being a Mimic Man. In the end, Turkey was not, was never a colony of the West and imitation or uh, or we may put it in different words, aspiration to be westernized was not a damning thing as it's a post-colonial society. Turkey's westernization is a self-imposed thing, and, and to call it imitation is more dramatical, uh, is full of more self-hatred, while I see it as a more historical or historically inevitable uh, thing. Uh, and how, how important do you think for uh, the world, is it that uh, Turkey get admission to the European Union? Because it would seem It's very to, important for yeah. our world, but it, then it should not be uh, um, defended geopolitically. It's geopolitically important that an Islamic country successfully un unite with Europe, and uh, it is also good for Europe for develop developing, just like United States, a more multicultural image of itself. I believe in a Europe that is not based on Christianity and history, but in egalité, fraternité, freedom. Um, um, this, uh, uh, these are uh, the, um, arguments defending for Turkey's entry to European Union, but um, they are also geopolitical arguments. It should be based, Turkey's in entrance to uh, Europe should be based on also uh, um, ethical judgments too that we should be able to say that we have Turkey has ground in Europe geographically part of Europe Turkish football teams are playing in European soccer cup for 50 years and I used to uh, follow them now if you take uh, draw a line and say that you are Islam Turkey is out then it is against uh, our understanding of egalitarianism Ethic it's not ethically true. But then, of course, politics is not made with ethics. Ethics is always used in politics rather than um, strong motivation in politics. Uh, your writings appeal to many different audiences. And uh, I'm curious as what do you do you hope that the impact on a Turkish audience, on a world audience in the U.S., do you uh, does your belief in universalism lead you to want to have the same reaction, or do you expect different reactions? Look, one writes a novel with so many motivations. You think, consider uh, your readership, 
you consider what you want to tell, you, have, um, you believe in a story. Also, writing a novel is not only passage, passing a message, but also exploring a subject, yourself in, in, in it through, changing. You want to identify with a person, that's also an, a motivation. So um, there is not one single motivation forming a novel. I write, I'm a slow writer, I write a novel in five years, and in those, even in those five years, I change. Investing and venturing and choosing a subject is also aesthetically choosing a sort of an imaginary world in which you want to live. Of course, in this whole motivations, there is who are the readers of the of this book? Who are? Um, when I began writing novels 35 years ago, I was a typical national writer addressing the small Turkish readership. Of course, while on the other hand, as we have talked about him now, my father was saying, you have to write for the world. Literature is world literature. Don't be partial. I, I, uh, my father was, in that sense, very uh, humanistic uh, and believed in that re- literature should be address all humanity. More or less now, my, my books are translated to 55 languages that I also now, honestly, I should say that I also think of the international readership. But do I change my voice? Do I sugarize myself? Do I write detail just to be interesting to the other uh, countries who had prejudices against, uh, about Turkey, expectations? I ethically control my, ask these questions to myself and control myself and try to keep my authenticity, what I would love to write, not only for the Turkish reader, one can also sugarize yourself for the Turkish reader as well. Once there is a reader, there is always a, in the writer's heart to romanticize, to address, to be loved by the reader, whether the Turkish or international. But there is also our ethical side that says, don't do it tell the truth or tell what your heart wants to tell. That's more important what, than what the reader wants to read. Uh, one, one final question. What, what advice would you give to students who aspire to be a novelist? Uh, uh, what should they learn from uh, your career, uh, especially after they read the book Istanbul? I would give them the advice that don't pay attention to the old author's advice, just to follow your <laughs> own humors. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, uh, Mr. Pambuk, I want to thank you very much, and I think uh, if people who watch the show will want to go out and buy the book after listening to you talk. Let me show it again. And I want to thank you very much. It was a great honor uh, to have you on our program. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us for this conversation with history. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.